because you're jumping back into the gut. Oh, let's hey, go. coach. Welcome to the basketball podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Hey coach, brief interruption from our podcast. Are you ready to take your coaching to the next level? Thousands and thousands of coaches have already benefited from Basketball Immersion's membership community, and you can be next. Join us as an individual coach or take advantage of our exclusive pricing for staff or club members and unlock valuable learning resources with access to cutting-edge basketball and coaching concepts that will save you time and improve your coaching and your players' enjoyment of practices and games. Take advantage of this opportunity today. Go to www.basketballimmersion.com. Awesome to welcome my own head coach, Tobin Anderson, to the Basketball Podcast. This is Tobin Anderson's second appearance on the Basketball Podcast. Tobin led the 2022-23 FDU squad to a 21-16 overall record and 10-6 in Northeastern Conference play record. The Knights earned the NEC's automatic bid and earned two wins in this year's NCAA tournament, a first-four win over Texas Southern, and the first round win over Purdue Boilermakers. It was just a second ever win for a number 16 seed over a number one seed in tournament history. The year before Anderson's arrival, the Knights posted a 4-22 record. Prior to FDU, Anderson had a highly successful coaching career at St. Thomas Aquinas. In nine seasons, he turned Stack into perennial top 25 program in Division II. Anderson has had previous head coaching stops at Hamilton College and Clarkson University, as well as being an assistant coach at Siena. Tobin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Great to be back. Good to see Are you. Are you now the most popular coach in America? In the world? <laughs> not, not my house, I'm not, but whatever. Some some places, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh man. I mean, people know we're friends and uh what an enjoyable experience to be able to watch your team and watch your season just in general. And uh, you know, I was there in the fall and got to spend some time with your program. And uh, you know, I I, I remember you were worried about winning your scrimmage or competing in your scrimmage, let alone worrying about getting to the final four or getting to the tournament or whatever was going to happen beyond. Yeah. I think every coach is always so nervous about just being able to win any game, you know? So we went, to, we were playing Navy in our first scrimmage. I'm like, we, we're going to get drilled. It's going to be, it's going to be bad. And like we're going to have to keep the guys spirits up to try to have some confidence somehow. And we actually played, that was actually the day that I thought there's a chance. We actually played, played pretty well. And I'm like, all right, man, there's a chance, but we could be a halfway decent team. But like any coach is worried going into the season, like, you know, this could be just an impossible situation. So we, uh, you know, you saw us in the fall. We, we, we had some tools and we, we got a little bit better and did a good job of maximizing our strengths and trying to hide our weaknesses. And, and uh, we played well at the right time. We, 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 we were not a good defensive team. We played great defense the last month of the season. So that's, I guess that's what matters the most. It does. And, uh, you know, I don't want to make this about, you know, selling your all access basketball pressing system, but maybe just talk about from that perspective, because part of the thing at that time of year was you were introducing a new offense, a new defense, and one that probably most of your players hadn't really fully experienced beyond the ones that you brought with you. So talk a little bit about that, because a lot of coaches are going to install your pressing system, for example. What are some things they should look for? Yeah, well, I think the videos are great because it kind of shows you from A to Z how we how we had to start off, and that's, that's what we had to do. And like you know, we're not you know, like I told people before, I don't I don't hide anything. It's like this is what we do. It's how we press, how we play, and and for us it was good. We we put all that stuff in in one year, and you know, honestly, we got pretty good at it. You know, I mean, it's not that complicated, but you got to do a good job being organized and and um, having a plan, and and we we did, and and um, yeah, I mean, I think I think you know, I think the pressing stuff people see it sometimes is too complicated or too much to do. And I actually think it's fairly simple. You just got to believe in it. You got to do it, do it every day. And, and, um, you know, you, any, any good coaches, you know, Chris, you've been around a lot of good coaches. Like and I, I have too, is, is you got to believe in what you do. You got to believe in what you do. And you can't, you can't go, things don't go well. You can't abandon ship and, and try to something, you know, let's try something else today. And, and, um, you know, we, we tweak things all the time, but we're, we believe in what we do and we, we do it and happen to be, you know, pretty good for us this year. Well, you mentioned to me that, uh, you know, what coaches, uh, inevitably a coach that has success gets a lot of coaches reaching out to them about different things that they saw watching their team. And you mentioned the motion offense. That was something that coaches were really intrigued in, which, again, is not an easy thing to teach to a new group of players. 
Yeah, and I got a lot of stuff for you too, Chris. I mean, when you're out there, we 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 talked through a lot of a lot of different ideas and different terminology and things like that. And so I think people see us play like like the offense almost better than the defense because we did. It's true five man motion. It's true five out. Um, we don't put a guy on the block for the most part. Now, if I if we had a seven footer, we could put on the block. It was a could score twenty five. Be a different story. I think most of us don't have a a post guy who can play this back to the basket all the time. So we run five out motion and. There's a little bit of Bob Knight concepts in there. There's a little bit of dribble drive uh, Wahlberg concepts in there. A little bit of uh, the the gets and the the plugs and the zi- the, the zooms and all the stuff we talk about. But um, you know, I think what you want to do is you want to play towards the strength of your personnel. So we had a five man who could shoot the ball. So instead of making him a a true five man, we he played on the perimeter and did a lot of stuff out there. And he stretched the defense out, let us drive the ball, and, and we became a we became a very good offensive team, which which. Um, I wouldn't say I was surprised by it, but I didn't think we could that that would be our strength going into the season and end up being the best thing we did. So and I think teams had a hard time guarding us. Do you think more teams, you know, not that they should run motion, but do you think more teams can run motion? Because, you know, that's something that's kind of it used to be really popular and yep. you know, maybe it's coming back because of you. But you know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I th- you know, I like I talked about before, like my dad was a high school coach. He took a bunch of guys from Iowa who were basically farm kids and small town kids. He only had two college players his whole high school coaching career in, in Iowa. And I was one of them. So it was not the talent level was not that high, obviously. But uh they ran all motion. They ran all true motion and, and Bob Knight motion and and um you know a little bit of what Chris Beard ran at, at Texas Tech and what you got from Knight and Henry Iba and like the you know, so I I believe in it. I think to me. How my mind works, I, I'm better off at coaching concepts and coaching ideas and thoughts and giving the guys the freedom to make plays. And I, I do think we've had a lot of success in March. We've had a lot of success. You look at our record, and it, it's not me or it's not the coaching. It's, it's the fact that I, our guys keep getting better. And I think motion continues to get better as the year goes on because you're, there's there's not there's never a thing where you say, well, hey, it's it's perfect or we've reached the the highest level now or this is the best it can be. It keeps on getting better. And I thought our motion. And the NCAA tournament was maybe the best we'd run all year long, which is kind of how it should be, right? That's it should be getting better by by March. But a lot of that's just our guys getting better at what they're doing, and, and me not me not having to come down the floor and saying, "Hey, let's run this set or that set." We we run, and you you put a couple sets up on your on your uh, Twitter, which I which I really appreciate. Now teams will be able to guard that stuff better. Um, we're supposed to be friends here, Chris, right? But um, but like. Nobody we'll pays attention sets. to my stuff. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we run we run some sets or some starters to get us into the motion. But at the end of the day, it's mostly just guys making plays, making reads, and and playing together and, and playing off each other. And and uh, I like coaching it. I like I like our guys playing it. I think the guys the guys do get better. You know, and players develop in other systems too. But that's the one thing that stood out to me is how much your players develop throughout the season. And and I do believe there's a part of that is that. You give them some freedom. You give them some opportunities to make decisions, and then they become adaptable because of that. On both offense and defense, they are much, much better at solving problems because of the freedom they get from the structure you've given them. Absolutely, yep. And that's like problem solving is such a huge part of what you do as a coach and what the te- teams is a, is a team. And like we know, when you play a game, and we played some, some important games on a stretch that you can't call timeout all the time. You can't stop and die game a play on the board. It's at a certain point they got to make decisions. They got to make plays and. That's got to come from practice and 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 how you do things every day. And and I think our guys are good at at solving problems. And I think our staff is pretty good at that too. So um, and we can't we don't always have all the answers. I mean, I can some people say, well, you should call more, you know, call a timeout here, call. So I'm not sure I w- would know what to tell them. You know, and say we're going to run motion. Let's get a good shot. Let's let's you know get get the ball in the paint. Let's get make you know get the ball side to side. Let's let's make something happen. But like at the end of the day, they got to figure it out. You know, and and um, with with the right teaching. I mean, we, obviously you've been in our practices. Just like yours, we spent a ton of time teaching. We spent a ton of time drilling stuff, watching film. But you know, I think the guys have a little more control than 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 most the most uh, in motion than most offenses. Right, and it's, it's often misunderstood that there's no structure. I mean, there's yeah. an initial structure, and there's some initial yep. emphasis on different concepts, and then gradually throughout time, it becomes more free, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Gets you know, the, 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 the better they get at it, the more freedom they have. You know, and then there's still times. And you'll see into the Purdue game. We ran some sets or some ball screen stuff to get to a certain matchup or to a certain um, action that we we knew was going to work for us. So there's nights your motion looks looks bad, and it's not it's not. Then you got then you got to tweak it, run a few more sets or a few more things to get into it. But um, yeah, no, I think I think um, for us and how we do things and and like like you said, we we had one year. We we had, I had ten months to put put you know put our press in, put our motion in, and I thought by the end of the year, now a big part of that was our players 
believed in what we were doing and they really bought into it. You saw it when you were out there, like our guys really, really had a, had a, a hunger for, for uh, getting better and, and wanting to learn, wanting to get better. So that, that was, a, that's a huge part of it too, is guys who want to um, do that kind of stuff. And part of the deal was when I took over the program, they were, they were so bad that they wanted something different. They wanted some change. And that, that helped the psychology, the psychology of that is, is interesting when guys want something different and want to change. And it, it was, I think sometimes harder jobs are the ones where they've been winning for a long time, maybe like Iona, where they're used to winning 25 games every year, that might be a harder job because they're like, why, why should we change what we're doing? It's, it's been successful. So we'll, uh, we'll experiment and see how that goes. Next year, this time, we'll see what, what the, uh, what the uh, conclusion of that is. <laughs> well, I mean, you're following someone who obviously you've learned a lot from and who, you know, you've adapted some of your concepts from as well. So I'm not sure how much pressing did I own to do over the last few years, but uh, you know, are your players familiar, more familiar with pressing than they would normally be? Yeah, and he and actually, Coach Patino pressed more the last couple of years than he has in the past. Like he started okay. to do more pressing, not as not as much trapping, but more like just the, the initial the initial pressure, the initial the initial on the ball stuff, and and um, you know, they made the game 94 feet, and he, they had a lot of talent, so they were able to kind of to, to make the game faster. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the stuff we do is from is from him. So I think a lot of the terminology and things like that will probably be very similar to what to what uh, what they're used to. But I will we'll be a little bit different, obviously. But it'll it's a, you know at the end of the day, like I mean, how many teams really press? You know, how many teams that really actually? I mean, I'm, we we press the most of any team in the country. It's forty like forty two percent of the time. Everybody else is like you know the next closest is like is like thirty, and then it's like five more teams. The rest of them are all playing kind of the, the same. You know, so I think I think that helped us too. And then and we'll probably talk about this more as it goes on. But like. In the tournament, we're different. You know, we're not the we're not your typical uh, game prep. And we, you know, you haven't you know, when is the last time Purdue was pressed for forty minutes? You know, and probably not the whole year long. When was the last time um, Texas Southern was pressed the whole game? So, like, I think that was that gave teams problems because of how we played. Well, it speaks to your adaptability too. You mentioned that forty two percent in terms of pressing. I mean, you pressed more in Division two than you did in Division one, but you adapted, right? And that's part of yep. great coaching is always being adaptable. Um, the second thing I just want to add is I never thought I would say in a sentence that you were the perfect hire to follow Rick Pitino. But uh, look at us now. Look at you now. Incredible. Uh, just just, just brilliant stuff. Let's go through that week a little bit. Okay, March 4th. If I have my dates right. March 4th, you know you're going to the tournament. Yep. And then not till March 12th do you know who you're playing. What are you doing in that time? Yeah, so obviously – it helps to to know you're going early on. Like we knew at the time we're going to be a 16 seed. Like we're not, you know, we're realistic about the situation. So our our net and our, our computer rankings all kind of we're just happy. You know, you're happy to get in first of all. So you know you're a 16 seed. You know you're playing the playing game. So there's probably like four or five teams that you could play. You know, there was a you know a couple of our teams that were going to, you know, but also we had, had to wait out the tournaments as well. So there's so we started kind of like breaking teams up. Here's a, we could play Texas Southern. We could play Howard. We could play. There's like four or five teams we thought were on our radar. We just kind of started like, hey, let's take a look at these teams, see what you think, just some ideas. Because the hard part is you, you still have to practice, you know. So we're still doing our stuff, but you kind of want to get that ready is the to... hardest part, isn't it, to keep their kind of focus and energy and all through that practice? Yeah, that's like a hard, that's a hard part of the year. It's hard for coaches too, because it's like you know we're, we would go for do our stuff for an hour or something. It's like, well, who are you playing next, or how are they going to play? What's what's the what's the um, the emphasis going to be? So we we went through the whole week, kind of had an idea we might play this team, and we. Could, we start guessing a little bit too, and then you're starting to look at the. We knew it'd be a 16 seed. Well, who would be the one seed, right? So you got the, you got the, you know, you got Purdue, you got Alabama, you have um, Houston and Kansas. So you know, you're kind of like looking ahead at those teams, like who who who, who do we match up well against, who would be a problem for us. So you're kind of you're enjoying the 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 fact you're going to the tournament. It's exciting, all this stuff's going on, but also you'd like to go out there and you know. And I thought that the playing game for us was good because you want to win a game. Like you want to get at least one one win in, in the NCAA tournament is, a, is an awesome thing. The one sixteen game is a hard game to win. Um, so like the, the sixteen playing games is, a, is a, there's more of a reasonable chance you can win that game. So we were kind of excited about playing that, hoping we could get a chance to at least get one win and get a you know get a, you know national TV exposure that kind of stuff. Fascinating, and uh, you know you win the Texas Southern game, and not to jump over that, obviously a great win uh, for the program, regardless of what happened next, but. Yeah. Going into Purdue, let's talk about that a little bit. You're playing, yep. obviously, an incredible team, so well coached, so much respect for Matt Painter. Obviously, all of us do. Top 10 in the country in offensive efficiency. But you notice some things 
that maybe they don't do as well versus a team like you. So can you talk about kind of where you start to focus in on some of the things that you could possibly exploit? Yeah. So like I said, there's a, there's, you know, four number one seeds. We didn't, we didn't want to, you know, Houston's a problem. Um, Kansas is a problem. I mean, they're all they're all problems. They're right? all problem. They're all problems. There's, there's, they're all, they're all but in terms problems. of style of play, yes. probably Purdue was the right one, right? That was the one. Yep, that was exact. That was the one. That was a team like, like we, we can. And we actually we didn't think we'd play Purdue. We thought we'd play like we thought we'd play Kansas. We thought that would be because they were the overall number one seed. So I'm not sure how the whole thing worked out. But we saw things in Purdue. First of all, like just style of play, right? Couple, and I think that in in the in the motion, I think the first thing we saw was well, who's Zach Eady going to guard, right? Because our five man can shoot the ball and stretch the floor and, and, and play on the perimeter, like well, he's gonna have to run in transition, right? And he's gonna have to guard somebody in the half court. And we had a bunch of guys, our three, fours, and fives could all shoot the ball, could all be pretty good offensively. He's got to choose one of those guys to guard. And the good thing was against Texas Southern, the kid Ansley, who was our five man, he scored 28 points. So I think Matt, uh, Coach Painter said, Well, I, we can't put Edie on him, so we'll put him on one of the forwards. So we knew from an offensive, which is usually you 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 gear up. Defensively, who you know who's gonna guard this guy? What are your matchups? It was more so he's gonna have a hard time guarding, he's gonna guard somebody on the perimeter. So our, our our motion really I thought would cause them problems, him having to guard somebody. And then obviously the press, you know, the fact that they had two freshman guards that are gonna be really good players, that are very good players, that are you know top 100 recruits, the whole thing. We had two fifth-year seniors in our and like they hadn't been pressed all year long. And a couple of times when they had been pressed, they looked a little bit shaky. So we didn't have to change what we did, but it was kind of like, hey, fellas, I don't think you know this team will react well to us, us pressing them. I don't think they'll have a good, an easy time uh, guarding us. So we can probably you know cause them problems in those in those two. Now, obviously, we had a major problem having to guard him in the half court and having to cause him problems. But we we were lucky. We had played against a, a, a couple good post guys during the year, and that's what happens when you play so many games. There's always a guy you can compare it to. And like we, I think me and you had talked, Chris, during the year. We we double the post. Um, from the top, we doubled on the first dribble. We doubled from the base. We were trying, you know, we we're trying everything to get ready for the the, the best guy in the conference. That preparation for him, that the, the conference games helped us against Purdue because, like, right, this is kind of similar to Garden, um, the kid from St. Francis of PA, who's a post guy, obviously better, higher level. But our guys kind of knew going into it, all right, this will be helpful um, as far as our game prep goes for him, you know, and and. Um, you know, things kind of fell into place from, from that standpoint. But I thought, but I thought um, the matchup, and I always think that, like, I think when I go to games, like, what, how do we match up against, you know, style-wise? You know, I think that's a, that's a big thing. Like, how, you know, has this team been pressed? You know, there's some teams that are, you know, you know that are really good against the pressure. Has this team had to play fast and made decisions? You know, because a lot of teams, when they break our press, they'll attack and go three on two, two on one, or throw it ahead for a three. Those teams are a little more scary than the teams that will kind of, Break the press, slow it down, set it back up because you can kind of be more aggressive against them because they're not trying to exploit the mismatch. They're the three on twos, the two on ones, and I think Purdue is more like that. Purdue is a little more afraid to really go and play. They like they knew they could beat us in the half court, five on five. They were a little bit more scared, I think, or more not scared is not the right word, but more a little more tentative to say, hey, let's make this into a fast paced game where we're shooting quick threes. All of a sudden, Zach's not catching the ball, touching the ball, and now they're playing into our style. So it actually helped us them being less aggressive because we could be more aggressive. That makes sense to you. It, it makes great sense. And, and two things stand out from Purdue. One is they run arguably the best sets of any team mm -hmm. in the history of college basketball. I mean, I can't tell you how many coaches love their plays and run their sets, but that doesn't always help you, as you said, flow from chaos into structure. That's really hard to do. And then you mentioned, obviously, the the young guards as well. But the other thing is, like, we would kind of think of them as being a great three-point shooting team. But really, you counted on them not making threes. And, you know, and that was part of your swarming defense around the rim is you weren't afraid to send multiple guys to try and take away Zach's easy scores. And you knew what you were giving up, potentially. And that worked out, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at their... At their players and you're like well this guy's a top 100 player this guy's mr basketball this guy's you know whatever so i mean like you got to hope they have a tough night you got to hope that things don't you know they, they miss a couple shots early and lose a little bit of confidence because those guys are really good players and they so we we came out and said you have to give up something somewhere right so let's make them take um tough threes like not 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 open threes that we're still kind of we're kind of helping we're showing we're stunting we're we're trying to pretend like we always tell the guys it's like we're not 
make them think we're there, but we're not there. You know, we're, we're really helping to paint. Like we're, we're, we're closing out with high hands. We're faking hard. We're stunting hard and making them uncomfortable. But they were, you know, and then once, once they missed a couple early threes, I think our guys got confidence that, okay, now we can be even more aggressive in the paint, helping out, being, um, being more active around, around Edie than they were. So I think the psychological part there was good. And then like, I, you know, our guys, like a lot of that stuff, you know, we give our players a little bit of like we, we did like some games you go into and you say, well, let's let's double the post every time, right? Or let's stay at home, or let's we call it yo-yo, let's dig in the post, kind of stay, stay back on, on the guards. We didn't tell them, we kind of told them like the press, be different, like like make every possession different. So sometimes you watch the tape, we did double, sometimes we tripled, sometimes we stayed home, made him make shots, sometimes we we dug out the dribble. We were just kind of like enough um unpredictable they made they made it hard for him to kind of feel like a because if you know a post guy if they get used to the double teams they can be very effective and here it comes here's the next pass here's the one more pass and all of a sudden you're in trouble he never felt comfortable in knowing where it was coming from that part was our players being unpredictable and being like you know kind of like making making reads you know that's kind of how we play like they kind of like just made their own decisions on when to go when not to go and and they, as as the game started to go on I was watching it I'm like man we are really like we're doing some good stuff out there. And I wasn't all, wasn't all quarterback, but we're really like, we're active. We're, we're, we're helping the right times We're there's nothing, there's never an easy, easy, um, you know, we fronted. I don't think teams front as much as the put the more, the more three quarters and more like, we're just like, we're going to fall and make them lob, make them throw the ball over the top. I would think not many teams fronted him all year. So. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we, it, and we did it. I think it, it I think it was kind of different for them. And then we, we always had a guy on the backside. Always. If he wasn't helping, he was like, looking like he's going to help, you know? And like part of that was just just our guys being five guys locked in defensively. And part of that mentality is 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 that team would be unique, Purdue, but a lot of teams don't want to look twice to the post. Yep. So if they look once and they see there's already this swarm around the post, they're not looking again. And yep. the other thing that it goes into this psychology, and I'm curious from your perspective is, uh, I think Edie's usage rate was fifth in the country. So all of a sudden, Purdue doesn't get to play through the guy that they used all year. Now other guys are in situations where they've got to use it. Their usage rate is higher than normal. Yep. And that's a psychology, isn't it? Absolutely. And like you can tell, like, you know, and I'm, I'm a guard who was always hesitant to throw the ball in the post myself. Like, if you don't feel like it's an easy pass in, you start getting nervous. Like, well, if I can't make this pass and I get thrown away, not coached on me about that. Like, guys, guys are, are not great post passers or, or post feeders. I think guards in general are not great. Guys feed the post. So they, you can tell a little bit tentative. And like you said, if they couldn't throw him the ball down, what do you do next? Right? What's the next, what's the next thing? And they try to go high low a little bit on us. And that we were pretty good against the high low. Um, and he still scored 21 points, but it was like nothing was easy. And um, you know, everything, and like I think also part part of the pressure, we turned him over, I think, 16 times, which was great. We also made them run their offense one step higher. Like one, you, know, you watch that on the tape, one step off the off the off the the, the three-point line. It's a little bit higher. They weren't comfortable making those passes. They weren't comfortable making their handoff stuff. And also, by the time they broke our press, we, if we didn't turn them over, they're down to like what? You know, they're down to 18, 17 seconds. So they run great sets. Awesome stuff. But if all you have to guard is one action, that's not as hard as guarding two or three actions. And they never really got into their second and third action. And you said that they didn't, they didn't get, you know, they had like one chance to, to throw the ball to, 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 to Zach. If it wasn't there, they didn't look back in there again. It was kind of like, oh, now we got to, fire up a three. So I think the pressure overall, if we didn't turn them over, still caused them to play different than they were used to. I love it. And the, the, the brilliance of your press, and I'll say brilliance, um, is the adaptability. It's it's not one thing all the time. And that carried over, didn't it, into the half court. And that's the brilliant thing about your pressing system is, is if you teach it in the full court, you can really replicate a lot of the concepts in the half court. So so true. And that's like, I mean, and you say brilliant. I'm like, well, I, that's all. It's all been stolen along along the way. So it's like, I'm not sure. I'm like, I don't know who you the put it together. Yeah, but 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 um, but like, yeah. I mean, I think I just think being when you when you press that way, then there's definitely carryover. There's carryover to to rotations or carryover to to five guys being engaged off the ball to to, to really watch what's going on. There's there's a there. We made some mistakes too, but like we could fix the the old fix it idea. Like, hey, we we screwed something up. Or let's Let's fix it in 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 real time. You know, like we maybe we we help too much here. Okay, now we got to somebody else got to got to peel back and switch on this guy or run it run, run a guy off the line or things like that. We were just able to be like adaptable is a great word because I think our our how we play is fairly adaptable 
um, to any situation. And we and listen, we played some zone. You know, I like. I mean, I, I mean, I've played my whole career of college, college coaching. I probably played I don't know less than fifty possessions of, of zone. We played a lot of zone down the stretch. We I mean, like, and I kind of like what what um, what St. Peter's did with Shane Holloway the year before. They would get a lead and they go zone, and we did the same thing like our last like probably eight or nine games. We get a lead and go zone. All of a sudden you're going zone. Now it may takes more time. They're still not comfortable. Then you go back to man to man. We just kind of kept them on their heels, and I, and I like that idea. So and I like. That's me being adaptable too. I mean, you know, my staff was like, we got to play more zone. I'm like, no, we can't play zone. I don't like zone. We, as the year went on, we started playing more and more zone and, and it helped us win some, some big games. That's awesome. Isn't coaching fun? And, uh, you know, the one thing I got to say, I mean, we're, we'll jump back to the Purdue game in a second, but um, what I appreciate and what I hope assistants or, you know, division two, II, division three coaches, like when you get your division one job, it doesn't have to change who you are as a person. And that's what I really admire about the way you approach this whole process is that every interview I heard of yours, it's like, okay, that's Tobin being Tobin. That's, that's authentic. Like you didn't go into this like CEO type of approach. It's like, I'm a basketball coach. I love coaching. I love basketball. And here I am. It was beautiful. Yeah. Tobin being Tobin is not always the best, best situation <laughs> all the time, but, but um, yeah, no, I just, listen, I was a, like I and, I and I and I did feel good about the fact that I'm a small college guy, right? My dad's a high school coach, a small college guy who, who went up that way. And you know, like I, I listened to your podcast with Dave Hicks, and I'm like, that's there's a guy who won all these games in Division Three. Like there's a there's great coaches at all levels, as we all know. And like you know, I'm, I'm not sure a guy who got the same opportunity that I got would have would have done a, a, as good a job, you know. But I but I had the chance. I think part of it is like when you're coaching those small colleges, you learn, you get better at what you do. You have to find out. You don't always have a chance to pick your own recruits or, you, you know, the, the personnel is different. Like, how do you win when you don't have the best guys? How do you win when you don't have the best gym, the best facilities? Like all those kind of things. You know, this is the first year I've had assistant coaches who all they did was basketball. You know, Division Two, Division Three. one guy's coaching tennis, one guy's coaching esports, one guy's in charge of facilities. This is the first year we had coaches, and I have great, I've always had great assistant coaches, but all they did was basketball. So we were able to do more, you know, more, more, but more intense, like, you know, more time with the players, more time together, more time as a staff. But like at the end of the day, you know, all that, all that small college stuff just, just makes you more prepared. And my dad always told me, he, he said, at some point, you know, in your career, you'll get a chance to hopefully be a division one coach. Make sure you're ready because you might only get one chance. You know, you might only get one chance. And like, if you screw it up, if you don't do well, that's all the chances you get because I'm not connected to the, the Duke family or the Kentucky family, all those people. So like, I've got to do a good job if I get a chance to be a division one coach. And so I think all that preparation and like, I love the fact that I was able to kind of like sound off for some small college coaches because that's what I am, you know? And so like, I love the fact that, that, um, you know, there's a little bit of notoriety, not only for, for small college coach, but small college players, you know, my, my two guards, Grant and Dimitri, you know, they're division two guards. And we found out in the tournament, maybe they're a little bit better than division two guards or they're, they were, you know, they were, they were two of the best players on the floor. So I was happy for that, that the whole world got to, got to see that there are some the basketball beyond just what you see on, um, on the ACC or in the ACC or the big East, or the big 10. Uh, absolutely tremendous and well said. And, uh, you know, uh, least people think I'm so smart. Um, you gave me a scouting report here of the Purdue game. So talk to me a little bit about the ball screen coverage, uh, with Edie and without Edie and the differences in terms of that, how we attacked him, him and ball screens. Yeah, so if Edie's setting the ball screen, you're soft, and if he's setting it on the wing, you're ice, that yep. type of thing. Yeah, we were trying to so we were trying to keep the ball on the side of the floor. Like you know, we, we were we were concerned about we were concerned about, obviously we were concerned going into it about the high low stuff. And so we, we were trying to keep like, let's just get the ball to a side, keep it on a side, and make it um make it hard to reverse the ball. You know, and, and we they hadn't been iced a lot. So we went gone through the ball screen defense. We thought the ice would cause them problems. And the same thing that in the middle stuff is just kind of like, you know, get get. And we told the guards, you have to get through. You know, the more we have to help, the more we have to come over and, and tag and, and, and do more things off the ball, the harder it's going to be. So we, and it, we were trying to, you know, our guards are pretty good at getting through screens. So we told them, you can go, you can go over or under. I don't care what it is, but you got to be there um, when they come off those screens because we, we cannot be over helping off him. Where now all of a sudden now he gets a seal, they throw it inside, and they, get a, they get a high low or a dump down for him. So I thought we did a really good job. Um, our guards are getting through all that stuff. And I, you know, I've always used the principle, the, the king and queen concept. Like, if you feel like on the ball, you can really cause, like, you're the king. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm the king in, the, in this matchup. I can cause problems. Like, be a little more aggressive. I thought our guys were, were very aggressive 
um, on the ball with those guards. And you can tell the first four or five minutes that they didn't like to be pressured. And so I thought even though in the ball screen defense, we kind of made them go in directions they, did, they didn't want to go into and made them play how they didn't want to play. And I thought that was a, that was effective. One other thing we did too is like we and we started about about the last month of the season. We started forcing weak hand. We started forcing all guys. We were kind of like at first we we're kind of like playing head up, and we said no middle. And then at a certain point, you know, there's three guys out there. Well, this guy can't go left. This guy can't go right. This guy can't go left. Why not just take that strong hand away? So Tom Monica, my assistant, said let's just start forcing weak hand. So we started doing that, and that was helpful to us. It gave direction a little bit to what we're trying to do, and. I think even at that level, there are guys who have a hard time going to to their um, to their weak hand and making plays, making shots, making passes. I mean, the old, the old Dave smart idea, and Dave and I talked a lot during the tournament too. He'd call me up, we'd talk, and so you Canadians, I tell you, what, you're, you're known for your hockey, but you guys know you guys know your basketball too, because we talked a lot too. Is and um, I think forcing to the weak hand helped us down the stretch and helped us in that game too. There's a couple of those guys uh, who had a hard time going, you know, Big Ten players who, who did not want to go to their uh, to their weak hand. Yeah, and again, it's not a knock on Purdue or their style of play, but it is a curious question, and I hope I get to ask Coach Panner that someday, is like talking about the adaptability and the difference between running sets and learning how to play after the play type of things and playing in chaos and playing in messy. And uh, there's strengths to both and there's weaknesses to both, and so much of it, as you know, is matchup dependent. And this matchup in some way, that was one of the things that favored your team and your approach. Talk about some of the things offensively. What were you trying to exploit from an offensive perspective in the motion? I thought that was the biggest thing was like, well, what can we do to cause them problems? So we were like, well, you know, you're going to have to get Edie involved. And like, 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 and they've guarded a lot of ball screens, but we, 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 you call them gets, we call them zooms that we hit, hit and, you know, hit and get, you know, hit and get the ball back. We thought that would cause a lot of problems, like flashing, flashing his man to the top of the key or to the perimeter and playing off that. Like, you know, he's going to guard, he's better guarding ball screens, but this is something he's got, they've got to try to get through on those things. He can't help too much. And so the more, the more he had to help, the better off we're going to be. And we told our post guys, do not roll. Do not roll, do not, because he's going to stay back there. Just pop everything. Pop, pop hard and catch the ball shot ready, catch the ball looking for a closeout or get into the second and third action. Like if you can't, if you, if you pop, like we had a kid, our backup five man, not a great shooter, he would pop, we'd throw back to him. We'd come off the ball screen or the zoom. Um, we'd come off, drag him with us as far as he would go, throw it back out, and now get into the next the next either ball screen or the next zoom or the next the next we call them plugs i think we had this i think we had this discussion when you were up there that it's a dribble dribble handoff yep. and um but just get make him guard multiple actions you know and like we went at him a lot and we only shot like that's a funny thing chris so we shot less than 40 percent for the game we didn't shoot like a crazy percentage but we got i think we got good shots every time down like when we missed some shots we usually would hit but we made them have to guard every possession and the whole thing was if we couldn't get stuff in transition make them guard multiple actions, multiple set, multiple, um, you know, ball screen zooms, handoffs, flares. We flared him a few times too. I mean, how, how often is Zach Eady used to garden flares? And like, Never. that was a No, right. Right. And so, you know, that it was all, it was all, it was all good stuff. And, you know, we talk about this and it's, it's great. I mean, the reality is if we played him probably the next, you know, a hundred more times, I mean, they'd have probably beaten us, you know, 95 out of a hundred times, but, I do think we were able to get good shots, and if you can play against the team and get good shots, you're gonna have a chance to win. And we didn't turn we didn't turn it over, and we got good shots. Coach, a brief interruption of the podcast. Get the best instructional coaching with immersionvideos.com. Are you looking to become a better coach? Then immersionvideos.com is the perfect solution for you. Their downloadable videos provide expert coaching from all over the world to help you develop the skills needed to take your coaching to the next level. Get all-access practice and clinic footage from some of the best coaches in basketball, including Nate Oates, Tobin Anderson, Doug Novak, Mark Cassio, Dave Smart, Francisco Nanny, and more. Try ImmersionVideos.com today and become an even better coach. Yeah, you absolutely did, and a lot of fun. And look, I don't want to go into the quote, the more I watch Purdue, the more I think we can beat them. But let's segue a little bit in terms of your pregame approach. Yeah. What are some of the things that you do pregame as a consistent basis that can help other coaches understand a little bit? Well, I, I kind of think one of the things we, we're, we're, we're pretty good at, and I got to put another assistant coach too along, along the way, is after each game, like so after the Texas Southern game, right, we, the next day we come in and we do a thing we call winning plays, losing plays, right? So we'll take 10, 10 good plays that were like, you know, take a charge, die for a loose ball, make the extra pass, um, set a good screen. 
and whether we won or lost, we'll show the 10, the 10, we actually go to losing plays first. So 10 losing plays first of, you know, Hey, we didn't die for a loose ball. We didn't take a charge. We, we, you know, we played off, didn't play off. You know, we went, when the lane jumped in the air, um, you know, selfish play. So we'll show 10 losing plays first, 10 winning plays after that. Um, we do like a little stat sheet. We do like hustle plays on, you know, we, we have, we have awards. We have like points for that. We give out a, a belt for the, for the winner. But after every game, it's consistent. So it's winning, winning, losing, give out the belt, then it's on to the next game. So after Texas Southern, it's kind of like, all right, here's a winning, here's a losing, um, here's the belt. Now we're on to we're on to produce. So our, our approach is always the same, no matter what happens. Winner, and we and we still lost when we were 21 to 50. We lost, we lost a lot of games too during the year. We were able to kind of come back better because there's it's a consistent approach all the time. So I think before Purdue, we were like, we weren't like doing anything different or anything crazy. It was just kind of here's what you know, let's let's handle what we did well, what we can do better. And now we get ready for Purdue. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not a big believer. I think we've talked about this in, in big team film sessions. That's why like when we do the winning and losing plays, like we do like 10 clips. Like, I don't want to do a big half an hour of team film. We all, but we do a lot of individual film. So before Purdue, Tom Bonica, my assistant who does a lot of the post guy stuff, he brings the post guys in and talked about, here's how we're going to guard the post. Here's how we're going to, we're going to front. We're going to get you, we're going to get your ball pressure, going to get your weak side help. But we're gonna, you, you got to do a great job with your feet. You got to be in position early on. You got to work early. Don't foul. You know, we did a great, doing great. But like, so he spent a lot of time with those guys on a one, one-on-one or one-on-two or one-on-three basis with just the post guys. Then we have the guards. Cam Merrill takes our guards. He's talking to the guards about, hey, here's some things we got, we got to do with our press, with our motion, things like that. So we do a lot more of the individual film stuff. And then before Purdue, I remember sitting we had this, you know, it's funny, you go from, you, you play the first four, you got a, you got a decent hotel room. All of a sudden, you win one, one NCAA, you're in a little bit better hotel. The food gets a little bit better. Hotels get a little bit better. They treat you a little bit nicer, right? So in this big ballroom, and like, I'm looking at, you know, Tom's got two post guys here. Cam's got two guards. Jack Castleberry's got a couple guys over there doing a bunch of like breakdown film stuff with the guys individually. But we didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't change a whole lot of our preparation. We do a, um, you know, our shoot arounds are short. We went in, even the day of the Purdue game, we, 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 we only get like 20 minutes of that game. So a lot of teams would go, hey, let's go 20 and then we'll go to another gym someplace else. We didn't do that. We came in quick, 20 minutes hard, got the juices flowing a little bit, very upbeat. Um, and that was it. Like, you know, then we came back to the, 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 uh, the, the hotel, get them off their feet, and we go to the game. We actually do a little thing before the game. We do, we, we do guards and post guys doing some stuff, just like, like just some, some focused things on, on certain actions. But we didn't, you know, we didn't go crazy on, on that. Um, but like our guys were locked in at that point, too. And I think it's just you build habits, right? The habits you come from the season. I, I think that's what's good about winning, losing plays and about our consistencies. We don't change game to game. So when you get to the tournament, there's nothing new. There's nothing crazy. But, you know, there are a lot, a lot more attention, especially after we beat Purdue. I mean, the next day there's cameras all over the place and there, there's lots of attention to what, what's going on. We had to kind of handle that for the next 40. And I thought we played well against Florida Atlantic, too. I thought we played against and Dusty does a great job, great coach. And um, we played well in that game, too. So I thought the approach the whole way was kind of consistent with how we handled the whole season. Yeah, that's a great lesson. And then who was the most surprising uh, text you got or uh, reach out you got from someone that uh, maybe you never would have expected would reach out to you? Well, a couple of guys were great. Like, uh, so Bill Belichick, you know, is a, is a fellow Wesleyan grad. He sent that's me a, cool. a text. I was, I was in, my, in my hotel room watching you know, the highlights. The, the funny thing about being in the tournament when you're, when, you're, when you're playing is, like, you don't watch the rest of the tournament. Which I hate because I love watching the game. So I'm like, I'm not, I didn't watch one more one game until we got eliminated for the most part. So I'm kind of the games are on, but I'm on my phone. I'm watching. I'm watching tape on Florida Atlantic or whatever. And I got a text from it was from uh, BB class of '75. I'm like, well, that's Belichick, right? So Belichick texted me. And we and like he was great. He kept texting me like for the next like week or so, and just he loved how he played. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna actually gonna go watch some some practices up there. He was great. Frank Caliendo was um was awesome. The guy does all the imitations. He said, he he your wanted, imitation he, yet. He wants to do a fast talking college basketball coach. I, 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 might, I might be next, but he was, uh, he was great too. So that, those guys were awesome. Like, Steph Curry texted our players, which was awesome. So part of the Under Armour thing, but there was, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of people That's reaching. Cool. I mean, the best part to me was like, honestly, all the fellow, like, like you said, the division three, division two coaches who you're kind of like carrying the torch a little bit for those guys. And like, I was happy to hear from all those guys who a lot of those guys used to kick my butt too, back in the day. So they were, they're being, uh, they're like, well, heck, you can beat Purdue, but you can't beat Skidmore. You know, it's like uh, everyone's talking trash to me. But uh, no, we uh, it was it was all good. You loved it, I know. Um, yeah. Talk to me about what a player's first mentality means to you. Yeah, I mean, 
I and we we've we've been recruiting the last like six weeks here at Iona, so it's like we've been trying to get our philosophy across to the guys. And the players first to me is a kid walks into um, the office and wants to talk, wants to shoot, wants to um, have a conversation. We drop we drop film, we drop scout report, we drop recruiting. The player has to come first. You know, the player comes first. He wants to anything goes he wants or he needs um, on the floor, off the floor. That player has to has to come first. Like the good thing about coaching basketball, um, as opposed to like you know Belichick coaching football, is he's got like seventy five guys or nine. We got we got thirteen guys, maybe a couple. Let's say a team of fifteen guys. There's enough manpower to help with fifteen. Now it's a lot. It's still I mean, each guy needs each guy needs attention, right? But you can still do it. You got to find time to make sure those guys. But I, I see a lot of programs where it's like ah, uh, you know, the guys you know, assistant coach watching film and guy walks in you're not really paying attention you're on the phone like we want to make sure the players know they come first all the time you know um it'll be great for us going into iona because we you know, we're, we're basically it's, it's it's like a we're building a brand new team you know this this summer all the the team dinners coming to my house being around all the time that part's going to be huge for us um as we build a team for next for next winter because that's the part that's going to be that, that foundation of of personal relationships and them feeling comfortable and i think at fdu we did a great job of letting those guys know, hey, we care. You know, the, the old saying, they don't, they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. I think that's so true. Like we, we don't, we do, we do, and we, we try to make sure they understand that the players always come first. Great lesson for parents too. I mean, yes, you know, and it just, just such an easy way to be able to phrase it. If your kids come first, your team, your players come first. You're just going to have a much more successful program and hopefully much more successful kids you, as well. You know, Chris, when you came out to visit me, I had to go watch my son's cross country. I, I left. I left the clinic. I was like, I, I hate to do this. I'm going. I'm going to watch my son run, run cross country the conference championship. So I I drove back to the clinic, went watched him win the championship, came back. We had dinner at some some restaurant, and, and um, I I made it was awesome. Packs. And I'm so glad you did that because that's the way it should be. That's yep. absolutely the way it should be. So it's tremendous. Yep. And uh, you know, talk talk to me a bit about your your players and their mindset of being in control of the game. Did they have a mindset of that with the Purdue game? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think it's at the college level, it's, it's, it, you recruit guys who kind of have that, you know, the, the competitive fire, the toughness, that part of it's who they are. But I also think that they, you know, I didn't have to talk to our, to, to our two guards a whole lot. They were like, they kind of knew how the game had to be played. And like, you know, I think part of, I actually read a quote, a couple of days ago, like if you're going to be, if you're going to be the same as everybody else, you got to be a whole lot better because unless, unless you have better players. And like, I think the fact that we're a little bit different in how we do things with the, with the pressing, with the motion on the combination of that, like we don't have to change a whole lot. Like, you know, make them play how we want to play, make them play our style, our, our, our tempo. So the guys kind of know that they're in charge of the game. And like, and like, um, you know, the key is to get the game going in your direction. You know, and then we like I said, we lost a lot of games too. There's a lot of games we didn't get the game going in our direction, but we a lot of games we we did. And like you can tell pretty early in a game who set the tone. I think I got a guy called me the day of the Purdue game and said like like you'll know right away whether you know it's their their game or your game. And I thought the one thing about that the start of that game was like you know that was we we kind of controlled how the game was played from the, from the get go. You know, and I think Florida Atlantic was harder because they play more like we do. You know, they're not afraid like to play. Like yeah, they're, they're like us, oh, just a little bit better. But we, we kind of, as a staff, we kind of knew that too, going to the game. Like they're just, they're, they're very they're very similar to us, just maybe like six or eight points better. So it was harder that game to get control of the game. And we did at one point in the second half, but they were able to to, to balance back and fight back and, and play great. They did a good job. But like, I think, I think you got to set that tone early, like not what the score is, but like how you, how the game is going to be played. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, take us so uh, obviously incredible moment beating Purdue. You want to enjoy it, so talk to us about enjoying it, and then the process of moving on and getting ready for Florida Atlantic. <laughs> it was funny because I was able to watch the game in person, which, like, as you know, Division One, you can't. I'm a Division Three, Division Two guy. I love live scouting. I love I love to go watch a game, and I get more out of scouting by seeing a team in person. How big they are, how quick they are, how fast they are. That's how my dad was a high school coach. We, my dad would go scout all the. If we weren't playing a game, he'd scout the game someplace else. So to be able to watch Memphis play Florida in person was awesome because I could kind of see it. I'm like, obviously, it was funny because we went from being a team that was a 16 seed to, to you know, we, we shouldn't be there. We're not that good. And then you're like, well, man, we can. I'm like, we can. And like, I'll, I'll just say this. I, I thought we could beat Memphis. So I'm like, when Memphis got two guys that are, you know, they got big guys, athletic guys. But I'm like, 
I was, they were still good. They probably would have still beat us. But I'm like, I wouldn't mind playing Memphis. I was a little more worried about Florida Atlantic because I could just tell they were a little more, a little more together, a little tougher, that, that kind of thing. But both very good teams, right? So that the for us to watch that game in person was great for the coaching staff. Our players went back to the hotel. They would get them out of there, whatever it was. And what we try to do is we try to have a scouting report on both a, a sketch of a scouting report on both teams done before our game. Not the whole thing, not the but so we we kind of we text them, hey, here's a here's a little bit on each team. We sent it to them, um, you know, as the game's being played, so they kind of have a feel for both. But yeah, some guys, like some guys, read the whole thing. Some guys don't read it, don't read any of it. But that that's fine, you know. And then we did. We met the next morning, and you know, we were up watching film pretty late. The whole staff was out. We were up late that that, that night after, you know, up, up in the morning watching film. And at that point, when you know, when there's a forty eight hour turnaround or a, a one day turnaround, you really can't do a whole lot of change or do something. We're just gonna have to do what, do what you do, right? Do what you do. Prepare how you prepare. And it was more like, all right, how's our... And we actually thought against Fort Lake, our press would not cause them problems. So we're kind of like, we kind of were like, hey, let's let's just kind of see what happens here. We didn't tell the guys this, but let's just say, let's press them hard, but be ready to have to take it back and dial it back a notch, not trap as much, do more stuff around half court, things like that. But actually the press caused them problems. And so we were kind of surprised as a staff, we turned them over a few times and got them going um, a little bit faster than they wanted to play. So. That was a good thing, but no, I don't. I don't think um, you can do a whole lot differently in 48 hours, which is kind of, a, in a way, is kind of good because other teams can't do a whole lot for you either in 48 hours. So it's, it goes both ways there, you know. And so when you're a little bit different, it's um, it favors a team who's a little bit more outside the box, right? It was it was a lot of fun to watch that game, and uh, I'll tell you, you had the Olivers uh, all in knots uh, both ways. Uh, sure. We we were so excited to watch a great game and uh, obviously support both coaches who are friends. And you'll have, uh, you'll have this though, Chris, because I know you, you and Dusty are good friends too. I listened to his 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 basketball merchant podcast that morning. I got I got on the on the stairmaster <laughs> and I listened to his podcast. I'm just, just to you know get his mindset or whatever. I listened to that that morning before the uh, before the game. That's awesome. That's <laughs> that's, that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. And then obviously not much time. You know, you get ready, you play the game, and then. Really a back and forth game and could have gone any way, you know, certainly down to the last three minutes, it could have gone any direction. And uh, what were some of your thoughts in, in reflecting on kind of that end of game and then what maybe you could have done differently? Because we're all great coaches in retrospect, obviously. We know that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, this isn't exactly. a criticism. It's more of a curiosity to say, OK, in retrospect, was there something you could have done? Yeah, we were um, we didn't play well the first half. And I actually we told them that at halftime too. I said, "Well, fellas, we're not playing. We're, we're playing a little bit, a little bit um, in our motion, a little bit stationary, a little bit, a little bit stagnant. We're kind of waiting for our guards to make plays. We didn't move as much, and we kind of got. It was it was interesting because you know you you beat Purdue. You're playing this game as a big game against a very good team, and we jumped at halftime. We were pretty like, hey, listen, this is not how we play. It's not FDU basketball. We came out the first five minutes, of the second half, and played played terrific. We played. I mean, we got we got the lead back in like in like in like three minutes. We're up, we're up by one. You know, boom." And we were up by, we kept getting up by four or five. We just couldn't, we couldn't stretch it out. Um, and to credit to them, like every time we made a shot to go up by four or five, they came right back and answered and cut it back down to two or three. So we couldn't get any separation. Um, I thought that, that, that um, I thought offensively we could have been a little bit better in um, being a little more patient. I thought, I thought we were a little bit quick on some stuff, quick on some, 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 not necessarily like quick on shots, but quick on drives. Like the ball. We wanted to, they were very good at garden because um, they switch they switch a lot of stuff. Very good at garden, the first action. We thought if we get them in the second and third action, move the ball a little bit more and get get them moving a little bit more and, and making them make mistakes on their switches, we could have caused more problems. And there's some possessions that were great that game. We also wasted a few possessions that were not not great possessions. I thought offensively could have done a better job. You know, I thought we rebounded pretty well. I thought we played pretty well. Um, that's a top twenty team. Like we're right there, nose to nose. And and um, you know, we had a couple on it. Could have won, could have won it. it, you know, but this, you know, things we could definitely, you know, you, you learn from that. I mean, I think the press could have been a little more aggressive maybe at times too. I was going to say the press is a curiosity a little bit because under two, under three, like, is there a thought to not trap or to take away some of the aggression sometimes, you know, because again, the press was effective, but then there's times where it's like, yep. okay, wait a minute. We don't really need to trap here. There was a couple of times they hit threes at the end of the press. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why, that's why you are, you are good at what you do. Cause you saw that too. Like, we did a couple of times, like, and like, and like, if you can get in your players' heads sometimes and say, "Hey, maybe this is a time we shouldn't we shouldn't trap," but That's like exactly what I was thinking. 
But the problem is you, the game's not played that way, so it's kind of like you got to kind of let them make reads and like, you know, there's a couple of times we gave up probably some stuff we, we didn't want to give up. We probably shouldn't have trapped, but it's like, you know, it's hard. It's hard to go back and and, and say, well, because we also got some stuff too. So, but there's a couple of times, and that's why I think the threes at the end of the press almost cause you more trouble than the t- twos at two, right? But a three, you know, throw it ahead, guys in the corner, bangs a three, you know, does it again the next possession, all of a sudden that's six points. Those almost are more more deadly than than the actual layups or dunks or something like that. But there's a couple of times. I thought if we'd been a little more conservative, would have been a good thing. But you know, it's but just, you can't at the same time no. because you could also have created a play. And it's, no, it's such a such a fine line, isn't it? It's a very it's a very fine line. And like as a staff, we're we're always it's a debate all the time. Like, hey, crank it up, tone it back, whatever it is. You know, we kind of we kind of like just leave them alone, let the players make decisions. And you know, it's it's most of the time it's good enough. But there's some times you wish you could just be like. Hey, let's, you know, we have a call. 55 is our no trap thing. So a lot of times when you're playing in a gym with 500 people, um, you can go 55. They can, they, they also couldn't hear me a lot of times either. So it made, made it a little harder to, to make calls from the bench, but uh, no, it was um, like, and credit to Fort Atlantic. I, I think when you, when you go against a team that presses, like when we, we press, it's a team that can know when to go and know when not, if you, if you go all the time, that's probably not good. You don't go at all. That's not good. It's, it's knowing when to go and not to go. I thought Florida Atlantic did a great job of knowing when to go and attack, and then sometimes not go and set it back up too. And they did a good job of that. Yeah, decision making so important yep. on both ends yep. of the floor, and that yep. was definitely obvious. So okay, so you lose that game. Take us through the next whatever amount of time. When does that on a job come up? When does that uh, you know come as a possibility? Do you know in advance, or what are you comfortable to talk about? Because I don't want to make you uncomfortable here. No, it's all it's all fine. It's all it's all but good. But I think I, people I are curious about this process. Like, are you getting wooed? Yes. Yes. So, so like, so we beat Purdue. So you'll laugh at this, and I'll tell the story. I won't, I won't name the schools, but I was we beat Purdue, and and um, you know, I've been a guy who was trying to get a Division One job or hoping to get a Division One job my whole life, and everybody's like, I go back and be an assistant or go do this, whatever it was. And so, I'm walking into the the, the ballroom that morning. For breakfast, my agent calls me up, who's a good guy, Evan Daniels. And he says, Hey, um, the school just offered you a five-year contract for whatever, going boom, boom, boom. And like more money than twice the money I was making, or three times the money I was making at, at FDU. And I never talked to them, didn't know anybody there, nothing at all. And I just and I laughed. I said to him, This is unbelievable. I couldn't get an interview for for nine years. I, I gotta cut you off, man. Yeah. It's it's just sucks. I'm sorry. That just sucks. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, they're trying to win the press conference. Yep. Right. And it's like, come on, yep. you know, and that's the problem yep. for most small college coaches or lower level coaches. You know, they want to win the press conference rather than have someone that can actually just coach their ass off like you can. Absolutely. And like, and like, like there's some search firms that are good, too. But the same thing there, they don't want to hire. You know, they, I don't think people want to dive into like who, who's a really good coach, who does a really good job and and that kind of thing. So yeah, I felt the way you felt. I'm like, well, all of a sudden now I get an offer because they saw us on national TV beating Purdue. You know, so I was like, whatever. So, um, and there's obviously he t- he handled more than that, but there's like you know a bunch of schools who are now we're, we're calling you know schools one school. And let me clarify, it doesn't it. suck for you. It sucks for the way coaches are hired, is what I'm yes, saying. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No, yeah. it's 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 like, and I said this like after the Texas Southern game, I could I could, and I'm sure you could too. I could go find um, ten coaches who I know would who would win and do a great job. And give me a five, well, give me five. Dave minutes, Smart. Right? How, how come Dave, nobody's hired Dave Smart? He wants to coach in the U.S. He wants to be uh, an assistant somewhere, and nobody's hired him. And he should be a head coach somewhere. Dave Smart is an unbelievable coach. I mean, we played against this team up there. I mean, unbelievable coach, right? I mean, yeah. and there's many and, Dave Smarts like that. It's that's just one example. Like, like if I was in the ACC, there's a job open. I'd hire Ben McCollum. Like, I mean, I've coached against Ben McCollum's up is, is the best coach I've coached Incredible. against as far as like Incredible. he's he's great. Like, there's so. I, I don't want to go to names and all that kind of stuff. There's just so many guys that are out there like that. So it's like I can do. I can have a search firm. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. The Chris Oliver, Tobin Anderson search firm. That'll be our, our next call in here in the next five years. I could find ten coaches who would win. So yeah, the whole process is is ridiculous. And um, so yeah, that, that's so so there's a bunch of schools calling him. And like I loved FDU. I was happy at FDU. I was I was I was doing well. But it's you know it's like once you get a taste of the tournament and win and having success, it's kind of like. You want to get back there. You want to. You want to be able to do that every year and do it on a consistent basis, and then advance a chance to go to a what, what Dusty did, give a chance to go to Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, Final Four. So I want to just. It made a lot of sense. They've always won here. I knew I didn't interview for the job three or four years ago, and 
you know, when Coach Patino got the job. So I knew the people here. I knew the president. We've we've been texting throughout the year um, about you know all this stuff. You know, you know the team, what was going on. So I kind of knew even before the tournament that was that job came open. I would I would have a so we he called me that I got home. Um, I was on a Today Show, which I with my wife and I laugh like you know who, who would want Tobin Anderson on a Today Show for God's sakes. So I, I'm like I'm on a Today Show. We go home, and my, my wife and kids have been gone for a week, so they, they missed school for a week. So they, they went to school, put my bags on the floor, literally sat on my couch. I'm like, oh, thank God. I guess we hadn't slept at all. And um, he texts me. He's like, hey, can we talk about the job? Down a job. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. So, I mean, I had the job by noon, and I was right back to, you know, call the staff. I had to Zoom with the staff, call them up. Hey, this is happening. And we're right back to recruiting him. Tom Bonacum, we got back on Monday morning. He was in Kansas at the JUCO, the Juco National Tournament by, by Tuesday night watching JUCO teams and there was no, we've had no rest at all, which is fine. I mean, it's all good, but it's like, you're right back into the recruiting thing or whatever. So I really haven't had a chance to, to enjoy um, what, what we did, but at some point here when this recruiting is done, we'll, we'll sit back. And I've, I've not really watched the whole Purdue game yet. I've watched it like the last five minutes or six minutes, but I haven't watched the whole thing. So I'll, sometime I'll just want to sit down and have a few beers and watch that game. That'd be great. Well, I think we're all uh, ecstatic for you and happy for you and, Happy for Iona and happy for FDU because it worked out there too nicely for them. And, um, you know, uh, we talked about it briefly when I was there and we talked about the challenges for both of us. And I want to dive into it a little bit because I think it's so important and you can add tremendous value for all of us is about this concept of health and well-being as a basketball coach, particularly around mental health. Talked about sleep. We talked about exercise. We talked about some of these things. So. Take us through some of the lessons you've learned in your coaching career about helping you with your mental fitness and mental well-being. Yeah, because it's it's a stressful life. I mean, it's a stress. People don't understand it's a stressful life no matter where you coach. No high school, like you want to win. You wanna, because we you, you care. Wanna, we, care. we care so much, don't yep. we? Yeah. Yep. And like so people, the media will think, well, hey, you want to win because there's pressure or because that's not the case at all. It's what you put on yourself, right? You're, the pressure comes from how you want to, you care, you want to do well, you want your guys to do well. Like, I remember I heard Bob Hurley talk one time, like, you know, you leave a game, you win, you play well, but you're worried about the two or three guys who didn't play well or, or, or had a bad attitude. So you, you worry more about this stuff. You never really can enjoy all, all the success because there's always, there's always something going on that you're worried about, right? So like for me, and I started this a long time, I, I try to, I work out every day. Like I work out in the mornings, I try to exercise every day, right? I read a ton. And I, and I read, I read like, you know, I'll read some basketball books, but I'll also read like just some, some books that are like, I mean, I love John Feinstein. I'll read the golf book or something like that. Like, I think finding something to do, you know, and, and just to get away from the whole thing, you know, I'm very much involved in my kids' lives. Like I'm, I'm a, I try to be the best father I could possibly be, which I, I know you are the same way too, Chris. Like I'm not, I don't, people say, well, it's hard being a coach. You miss all your kids stuff. I don't miss much. I don't miss much. I missed a little more this spring because it's been so crazy, but I don't miss, I mean, I might've missed maybe two cross country meets last year. And like, yeah, that's is that a sacrifice to leave the office? But like, you can leave the office. You know, you can get it. You can get out of here. You don't have to be here the whole time. I can make phone calls at the cross country meet if I need to. But I want to be there for my kids, and I want to be there for my daughter and my wife. And like, you know, we're going to we're going to Nashville this weekend for a weekend away. Like, I'm doing a clinic, but it's the rest of the time. Just I think you have to spend time doing that kind of stuff because you want to be sharp for your players and for your program when you're there. You know, the old days of of. Hey, the first guy in is a, is the hardest worker. The last guy to leave is a hard. That's just that's just not, you know, and I, that's just not the way it is, you know. So I'll still watch my tape. I'll still do all the stuff I'm supposed to do. But I find time, and like it, it's stressful. Like there's there's no doubt about it. like you want to win, you want to be successful. There's a lot of stress involved. You got to find time for yourself and and find time. And you've helped me with that too, Chris. You've been great about that. And, and like I, I watch all this stuff. You know, you read on social media and stuff like that. And I find ways of trying to, you know, like I we, we joked about fishing. Like we like, I. I I love going fishing. I'm going fishing June 12th for five days up in Canada and like no cell phone service, you know? Um, no, I mean, I'm no recruiting, none of that. I'm just going to fish for five days. And like, that's the best. And that will make me a better coach because I'll, I'll, I'll come back, recharge, refresh, ready to go. So I think that's a big part of your, your life and trying to, 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 to stay sharp at all, all times, you know, and have more fun. Like you gotta, Chris, you know, you gotta enjoy it. Right. Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta enjoy what you're doing. Like if you're just all you're doing is worried you know, about wins and losses and uh, it drive you crazy. So, no, well, it, absolutely. And it's a great message. And I got to say, I think one of the best conversations you had with your coaching staff when I was there observing was trying to figure out where to go post game to have a drink or to have a meal. And I am absolutely serious, because if I think about some of my memories coaching with my staffs, 
those are some of the best moments. Oh, we can't go here because it's too busy. We can't, we should go here because it's less busy. We can be more of ourselves. It's not, that's so fun to think about those things, isn't it? Those are the best times, right? The best time yeah. after, and you got to enjoy the wins because because the, the loss will drive you crazy. Like you got to don't 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 not enjoy the wins. You know, don't you know? I've I've seen guys who just they're just drive themselves miserable. Like you win a game, go have go have a beer, go eat some wings. Like you know, like enjoy you know, bust me chops, like have a good time. Like that's that's part of why we do this whole thing, you know. So and I've gotten better about the, the players. The players need to enjoy themselves too. Like listen, it's not all basketball. Like go, they need to enjoy spending time and doing all the fun things they want to do and enjoying that and. And that's part of why we do this whole thing. So no, but I, listen, you, you, some of that stuff I've had to learn the hard way too. But um, but I've learned from the right people. Yeah, well, yeah absolutely. And uh, you know, we talked. I mean, we know this isn't just about Tobin Anderson. It was about FDU and Tobin Anderson, your staff, your players, and now it's about Tobin Anderson, his staff, his players, and Iona. So talk to us about Iona. Why is this a special place for Tobin now? Yeah, I just think there's a great. There's a great tradition here. They really love their basketball, which I love. It was sold out the last 10 games last year. Every every home game was sold out um, down the stretch. So people people want to support, you know, usually all the coach, Jim, Jim Valvano, um, Kevin Willard, the Welshers have been here, you know, Patino, Tim Cluse. Everybody's won. So, you know, I mean, we better keep we better keep winning. But that's, you know, the same thing. I mean, there's, no, there's no pressure because it's like we want to win anyway, you know, but it's it's a place where like, they're used to winning. They're, they want to win. Their success can happen here. It's one of the better jobs in the conference, you know, and uh, one of the better jobs in the East Coast. And there's just things in place to to be successful. And one of you know one of the great things too, but about family, I don't have to move. I didn't know. You know I've been in three jobs in three years, and my family's in the same house. There's uh, the dogs in the same backyard. You know, all the, the, the I can still go to, my, to Bailey's and get, get wings and get wings in the same place a mile away. So things just how, kind of how rare that must be, right? We've talked about that. That's got to be a record. <laughs> has to be a record of some of some sort. So that that part that part's good. So no, I, all we'll add it to your Wikipedia. <laughs> all the things are in place to have a lot of success and do do very well. And and um yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy as heck to be here. And and um yeah, I think the future's bright. Two staff members you didn't mention, gotta give a shout out to Joe Popovich and uh Mike Holloway. And Mike asked me to ask you about your obsession with carbonated water. And uh <laughs> I tell you. I tell you, your your staff in your office was one of the best ones I visited this year. Just a, a great environment to love basketball and uh, to be around people that love and support each other. Yeah, I mean it's a fun it's a fun group of guys. We do a, we do a great job and and get the staff together. Like you said, Joe Pop is on a video guy, did an unbelievable job. Mike Holloway is going to be a heck of a coach. Ray Savage is our is our DBO right, came with me. I own it here Don. too. Oh Ray, so it's funny. Like you know, it's been hard because when you're a Division three or two coach, you might have, you might have one assistant or two assistants. Now I've got like eight assistants. Like, it's like having a football staff here. It's like I try to keep track of who's where or whatever, but they're all, listen, I think that helps too. Like recruits come in, they see how we interact with each other. We, we love playing ping pong. I mean, we, got, we, we're going to buy a ping pong table here for our, for the staff. Like we love playing. We, you know, take it take a half an hour and get a, go play some ping pong or go watch it, go watch it, you know, something and just, just get away from the whole thing is great. So, I mean, I love the guys we have on staff and I think we don't take ourselves, our, ourselves too seriously. And, and, um, you know, and I know it's the kind of place too where you can go watch a soccer game, watch a lacrosse game, watch our cross country team here's won 32. They should be the next guy on your podcast. 32 straight um conference championships in cross country. 32 awesome. straight. So I've been I've been talking to the, the coach who's, who's a great guy. I mean, things that they do too. It's, it's it's amazing. So I like to be at a place where there's a little bit of interaction with the coaches and and it's we're a small enough school you can still have those kind of conversations, interactions. So that part, that part's good. It's awesome. And I, I mean, I can speak and I know you've been there like as a coach. I never had a full time assistant ever in my college coaching career over 17 years. And I, I would have enjoyed coaching more. No, if I had someone there with me, there's no yeah. question just for that camaraderie and the, you know, the shared experience of the ups and downs and, you know, different things like that. And uh, not being so damn lonely, especially after losses. eh? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's still pretty lonely sometimes too. No matter yeah. how many guys you're around, you can still be still be lonely. But no, that's that's one thing. It's been it's been good. But I, I'm like you. I spent 20 years with a guy who was hey, you know, I'm he finished practice, go out and go out and coach the tennis team. You know, he, you know, he's he's going somewhere else. Like you know, they're they're never just basketball. So it's nice. So Tobin Anderson Basketball.com, the all access pressing system has been so well received. I know you've got a ton of people reaching out, and so many people complimentary of that, and. uh you know, Tobin, we got to do your motion offense now. It seems like people want your motion. So uh, can we put that together? 
We're doing it absolutely 100%. We're going to do the motion. We're going to do it as soon as we can. Get you out of here to New Rochelle and get get that going. And and um, yeah, man, I love doing the tapes. You do, you do a great job, Chris. I mean, obviously, I, the podcasts are great. The tapes, the videos are great. And like I told you, we'll we'll, we'll show you the whole motion. We'll do all of it. We're not going to hide anything at all. We'll just do the do the whole thing. And people say I'm crazy sometimes for sharing that much, but I'm like, what the heck? I mean, I love that's how that's how I got better as a coach myself. So I, I think it's an unbelievable what you do is an unbelievable forum. And we're friends, but I'm also like I, I admire all that you do for. For so many coaches and so if i can help in any way with that i think our pressing tapes are great people people always say, you know i'll share i'll talk i'll make phone calls and i talk to guys from all over the country about the press and things but that those tapes are the tapes are the best way to kind of learn everything and then we'll get the motion going here soon and and um maybe we'll put my zone in at some point that we'll, we'll have to do we'll do that That'll be the, the, the third installment when we start playing zone definitely <laughs> swarm the post defense is coming next we'll do four full videos on that uh awesome uh, Tovin, I can't thank you enough for sharing the game, man. You're just, uh, it was a magical year and I'm so happy for you. And I know so many people are as well. Awesome, man. I appreciate that, Chris. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the basketball podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game and to stay up to date on all things basketball immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.